Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode where I get to speak to some amazing people, amazing leaders from around the world on all sorts of issues affecting the philosophy of leadership, if you like. Well, today we've got a repeat guest. Uh, I promised when I spoke to her last time, the conversation was just flowing and we ran out of time. I really wanted to continue the conversation and today we've finally got around to that stage. So Sonia Rai, I want to welcome you back onto the studio, back onto the programme. Great to see you here. Hi, Carl. Thank you so much. I'm really pleased to be back for a second time. Well, honestly, I've been looking forward to this, and I know that you're such a busy, busy, busy person. I mean, you call yourself the, uh, is it the Queen Bee of HR or something? And you are buzzing along. It's a little play on words, yeah, with the whole HR, yeah, HR Queen Bee. HR Queen Bee, and that's it. And you are always buzzing around on LinkedIn. You're doing this and you're doing that. And I thought I was busy, and then I look at you and I get fatigued by it all. (laughs) But great great to have you here, and we've got you here for like half an hour. I uh, hope you're not going to move away from him. So, Sonia, you know, last time that we we got together, we were talking about all sorts of incredible things. And, um, you know, you were talking about your journey uh, in uh, going from like a one-person business and it grew way quicker than you thought it would. And then you had to become a limited company and you seem to be adding staff to your organization all the time. Uh, and we were talking about how you work with your staff and some of the, the key problems that you see or the key key mistakes, if you like, that you see some of uh, your uh, your clients make. What would they be, do you think, if you had to pick like the top five mistakes that organizations make when it comes to HR, what would they be for you? Um, I think one of the first ones is just not getting the basics right. So, mm. uh, and I can see how it can happen because I'm, you know, I'm a, I was a one-man band. I grew my business. And maybe if I wasn't a HR professional, I wouldn't have really thought about my HR that much. You know, yeah. would I have been one of those people that kind of just didn't get a great contract of employment or some of them don't even have one at all? So, you know, get the basics right. A lot of people, their first couple of hires are maybe friends that have been recommended via a friend or a family member, those kind of things. So, They can feel a little bit nervous about broaching the fact that we need a contract of employment, we need some policies in place, we need some process. And really you're setting the bar straight away for what kind of an organisation you're running. So, you know, take it seriously, get the basics in place, don't download something from somewhere and think that it covers you off. You know, pay some attention to it and make sure it's fit for your organisation. So not just your contract, but, you know, your bare minimum policies and procedures. Yeah, because there, there, there are these, gen, these these companies that do generic contracts and that you can download. I've seen some of these and they draw, you know, you can download these legalised documents. 
but they might not be a fit for your company, might they? Yeah, so they are very, very generic. Um, and often what we'll see is wording in the clauses that aren't suitable or, um, mm. you know, something that would even have any standing in a tribunal. So they're just very, yeah. very generic. They're very... They're just super generalised. Um, so things like, you know, I've spoken to clients who've said, oh, I've got a restrictive covenant in my contract. And when we've looked at it, A, either they haven't, or B, it's so general, we know that an employment tribunal judge wouldn't, wouldn't like, necessarily think that that is something that they could be they could be using in that tribunal so they think that yeah, they've got yeah. things they think that they've protected their business and they haven't so don't go for the generalist stuff get some advice but also don't pay over the odds uh, we had a client come to us in the summer who had paid she said an employment lawyer to write a contract of employment for her and she mm -hmm. thought that it was really fit for purpose but she started realizing it wasn't uh, she connected with me on LinkedIn. She, we started working with her and literally she was in tears over the fact that she spent so much money. And we're talking over a thousand pound for a contract of employment, which is a little, I'm going to be honest with you, is crazy. And it didn't have the, the right clauses in there that she had specifically asked to be in there. So I think people mm. can get missold or duped quite a lot as well because they think, oh, it's very legal and... You know, so I would, um, I've, I've done a, a video on my LinkedIn about what to look for when you are getting some HR advice, you know, don't sign, yeah. do a try before you buy, shop around and um, ensure that the advice is really specific for you um, and that whoever's going to be supporting you understands your organisation and also just get the basics in. So we've got some blogs on our website, small business masterclass stuff, um, you know, what yeah. needs to be in your contract? What basic policies do you need? Just a few little tips. I love that. So, you know, re really focusing on the basics. Start start as you mean to go on. Uh, so, I mean, a great resource would be your website. What's your website, Sonia, that people might be able to access? So we are www.nectarhr.co.uk. So it's nectarhr.co.uk. Uh, get on there and get your basics right. What other mistakes do you see organisations making then? They're too busy in the day job to take the people side of things seriously enough and they start slipping. So... Um, they will start not realising that they're a role model themselves and that they're actually a leader in their organisation. This is a big one for me, by the way. You know this anyway. This is a big one for me. <laughs> and then when they perhaps see some of their employees mirroring some of their actions, they're yeah. like, I'm not quite happy with that. I don't think yes. I like that they just went over and spoke to somebody for 50 minutes and didn't do any work. But hold on, you do it all the time. You yeah. know, so um, I think it's culture. So for me, there isn't even a top five. I think it's culture. Um, yeah. What kind of culture? And this is across the board from the minute that you decide to hire somebody to the the journey and the experience that they have with you, whether that's as a candidate, whether that's as a new starter, whether that's in their induction, their probation, um, if they're going on maternity, or all these kind of things. Yeah. Um, but not just the HR stuff. So, you know, you and I were talking about... Um, you know where we've set boundaries with our clients or we've decided that actually we're not going to work with this kind of an organization and let's say that you are working with a difficult client and you just keep on throwing your staff under the bus and you're not setting those 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 barriers essentially oh my goodness you're touching on so many things there sonia <laughs> for me you're touching on things like values 
the culture that you create in the organizations, the leadership shadow, as I call it, you know, where people will emulate the leader. Uh, and you're touching on things like, uh, you know, value-driven thinking, value-driven policies, decision-making. Decision-making has to sit around a hub of values. Um, and I don't think enough organizations really appreciate this, that the power that culture and values actually have in your organization. Yeah, they, they don't. And I, and I think that when we start looking back um, and we start unpicking some of this with our clients, they start to realize that, hold on a minute, I might have built this. And, you know, the really brave ones will go away and look in the mirror and go, OK, I think I need to make some changes here and I think I need to look at the way that I'm doing things. So it's, it is culture, it is values, it is having that conversation with yourself as a leader to say, what do I want to build here? Like, yeah. what do what do I want this organization to be like? I've got a very clear picture in my head of what I want the staff to feel like when they're working every day at Nectar HR. Like, what should that feel like? What should that mm. look like? Do they want to get out of bed in the morning to get to work? And I recognize that some of the things that we do can be quite negative you know we're dealing with disciplinaries we're dealing with redundancies we're dealing with difficult uh, delivering difficult messages in yes. quite difficult times so i talk to them about that and i talk to them about i know that that's part of the day job and we have to do that but then how can we balance it back out again so it's not going too much that way you know let's have a team day out let's do this um simple thing let's order a start yeah you know bring some fun into the work as well you know and all, all of these kind of things uh, you've touched on so much i mean only yesterday i was uh, giving a lecture I did a three-hour lecture to university for senior police leaders and and there were so many things that you're talking about now that i touched upon there uh, and one of those things for me and i think it's lacking so much and we see it so much and it really frustrates me is a lack of courage so I think leaders need to have courage. And that the, where I'm talking about courage is it, having the courage to implement the change that really needs to be implemented. Not getting sticking plasters and seeing some symptoms, oh, that's not working, that's not working, but getting a sticking plaster and putting a sticking plaster over it, but actually getting down to the root cause. Uh, and I think part of the reason why people don't do that, organizations don't do that, uh, and leaders don't do that, and sometimes even in politics we see this, it's because most leaders at the very top are there for only four or five years. They're on some kind of tenure. They're on some kind of uh, contract. And they're thinking, why should I implement something that's going to take 10 years to come to fruition, uh, even though it's the right thing to do? Why not just focus on the four or five years that I'm, I'm in power, if you like, uh, and, uh, and, and just do some of the more superficial kind of stuff, the more, you know, the, the stuff that is more visible to people. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're changing the culture uh, for the long term. Yeah, no, and I, th I like the, the use of the word brave um, because when, when we're going in, what we're seeing is the opposite of brave sometimes, the, the easy way out. So it could be something as simple as they're not having the difficult conversations that they need to have. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, so let's say you've got a team of 10 and let's say you need, you know, somebody, you need to have a difficult conversation with one of those 10, but you are avoiding it because you don't want to have that conversation. Let's be honest, most of us will not want to have a difficult conversation. Mm. If, we can, if we had a choice, well, we don't want to. Let's be honest, to. none of us wake up in the morning and say, I want to have a difficult exactly. conversation today. Exactly. Right? Or I need to pick this up with somebody, whether it's yeah. a performance yeah. issue, whether it's a sickness absence, uh, you know, whatever it is, it could be anything. 
okay, we don't have that conversation. So first of all, we are allowing somebody to think that something or a certain type of behavior or the way that they are behaving is okay because we're not having the difficult conversation. So that's one person that's going off on a tangent and is moving away from perhaps the values that we want in this organization. But what's happening to the other nine? So the other nine are sat there thinking, right, well, the leader of our organization or the boss, you know, um, is not picking that person up for being consistently late or underperformance or being rude with clients occasionally or being late with work or whatever it might be. Or just start sticking to the values of the organization. Yeah. So actually I, if it's okay for them, then it's okay for me. And then we're going to, we're going to start seeing them moving away from the values of the organization and slowly, but surely, slowly, but surely it, within that 10, things are going to escalate. Um, a lot of the time when we're dealing with disciplinary issues, misconduct, sickness absences, we will hear, but this was never challenged when X, Y, and Z did it. So yeah. why are you picking it up with me? Or, you know, this person's allowed to get away with this stuff. I think being brave, being courageous, but also being consistent. Um, we see a huge lack of consistency. So they might want to yeah. pick on an issue with somebody, but because of perhaps their unconscious biases or their own personal relationships with somebody else or, you know, they're good friends outside of work, they don't want to pick up on that. So I think, or it could just be unconscious bias that, you know, they, they feel a particular way to, to one person and they'll pick it up with them and not the rest. So I yeah. think lack of consistency, lack of having the difficult conversations, it, you know, most leaders that we talk to, they kind of go, I've never even thought about it like that and actually I don't know even how to go about having that difficult conversation and um, we do a lot of training on things like that but I think when you are getting down to the root cause of it rather you know you're, you're right four or five years what can I do but when you if you were to go down right to the root of it and say actually what are our values are we living them yes. no we're not um, how are we not living them how do we want to live them and then how do we start being courageous to move to the the avenue or the the road that we do want to take and 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 slowly you know getting yourself there a lot of this is traditionally we would have thought of all of this kind of stuff as soft skills you know we use this term soft skills it, it really is a, a bugbear of mine because i know that these are hardcore skills and i just want to say first and foremost to being a human-centered leader is not necessarily about being cuddly and warm and all of the nice things. It is about having the difficult conversations and actually driving the business forward and making sure that your service is of high quality. And sometimes you have to challenge people. You have to have those difficult conversations in the process. It's part and parcel of leadership. But um, I want to touch upon what's going on in the world right now. So in, back in 2020, uh, late 2020, we had something called the Great Resignation uh, uh, as a term brought about. We had the biggest turnover in modern history across all industries. Some industries are more affected than others. You know, healthcare, I've done a lot of work within the healthcare and public sector, and I can see that they're, um, they're, they're disproportionately affected with turnover and retention issues. And yet, despite the fact that there is high levels of uh, leakage from organizations, um, I don't see much work being done around retention. And I just, I, I struggle to understand why that is, because, I mean, to, to train talent 
is a very, very costly business. Therefore, to allow that talent to leak and then to retrain more talent is costing you double. So why, what is going on with retention right now? Why are we seeing so much leakage? Why are people leaving organizations? Why have we got such a high turnover? And why are organizations not doing more to retain their talent? I mean, I think we could probably talk all day about just some of those, you know, going in depth in just one of those questions that you've asked. I think there's a number of reasons for why we are seeing people leave. I think one of them definitely that I've seen time and time again is that when somebody is being recruited into an organisation, they are almost missold what that organisation is about, yes. what it's like to work there. Uh, no one's really been honest with them. They, they, they have a vision. Of, of yeah, I've got some like. evidence of that. I had yeah. a similar conversation a few days ago. Yeah, yeah. so Absolutely. they walk into, you know, company A and they're like, oh my God, I've seen these guys on social media. It's going to be like that, you know, the manager told me this when I asked these questions in interview. They get there and it's completely different because these guys have got their values on their website and this, that and the other, but they're not living them. They're not being consistent. Yes. They're not being oh brave. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> they get there and they're like, oh, right, this isn't really for me. So uh, I'm not, you know, we live in a different, world now so that is also one of the other reasons because in 2020 we had covid and instantly literally overnight the world changed the way mm. that we work changed so for example cool you and i are sat in completely different parts of the uk having a conversation um and we don't need to be face to face to do this mm -hmm. so it has changed the way that work a workforce delivers work. It's certainly changed the way that we deliver work because we're not bound to a location. We've got clients everywhere, all mm -hmm. over the UK. Some of them we've never met face to face, even though it feels like we've got great relationships with them because yeah. we work virtually. So I mean, I've, 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 I've learned actually that you can develop incredible relationships having never met the person just through video it yeah. is possible it's working for me definitely. it is it is absolutely and so when you are in a workplace and let's say something isn't quite going right there's there's so many of the jobs out there where you can you know a lot of people want to work from home or they want the hybrid mm. working or they want the flexibility or you know we've got people that are working up north but the central office is in london and they don't mind going to london one day a week because the rest of the week they're working from home they're saving their train fare they're saving their or you know how many hundreds of hours in a year commuting um, yes. so it ticks all their boxes so it's more competitive for that resource now it's more competitive to retain these people so we need to up our game as organizations to keep people we can't just we're not living in that world anymore where they should feel lucky that they've got a job and mm. they're going to stay with us for 30 40 years that is not the way the world is working anymore it's we're living in this you know hybrid remote working every you can get a mixture of, of everything all rolled into one in your job and it's not just about money you know all the surveys that are done people we all think money and salary is a primary factor but in every survey that's completed it never is it's in no, the list and i think that 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 was like the you know you said that the world changed overnight in 2020 i think you're absolutely right but our mindsets changed as well you know i think 
I think people literally recalibrated what was important to their, their priorities. And because we, we were so close to death, you know, that was all we were hearing, death and destruction. Because well, that we felt so close to death at the bottom end of Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, what we then thought was, hey, if, if, I, if this is how fragile we are, if life can end like tomorrow, then I need to understand what's important to me. And actually having a wage that is X, Y, and Z is not important if I don't feel valued in that organization. Yeah. So people start talking about psychological safety and psychological danger and all of these kind of things, which I find fascinating. Yeah, and, and people are interested in how they're treated at work, the benefits yeah. that they get at work. And it doesn't, again, doesn't have to be like your typical things like life insurance and healthcare. It mm. could be the fact that, oh, you know what, we dress down now. Um, you know, we're not expected to wear a suit and tie. We dress for the day, or we're able to dress down. Or I'm not. Ex I'm not kind of micromanaged by my line yep. manager. Um, I'm treated with respect. Somebody says thank you to me. You know, the amount of the amount of organisations that we work with, and they they haven't got the basics of you know saying thank you. You know, you know saying thank. Like I will make a point of when I'm leaving the office, or someone's leaving the office, or I'm. Signing off for the day. Thanks, team. Thanks for today. Thanks for your heart. Yeah. It's so important. I'm genuinely Absolutely, thankful. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of that is missing. In you know, we're all people. What drives us as individuals, and then what? How do we then ensure that our team feel engaged and motivated? So, you know, in, I'm trying to kind of come back to the question, I guess, because we can we can go off um, <laughs> quite a lot, can't we, very quickly? But you know, first of all, then their perception of the organization versus what it is actually like is is very different um and it's so easy to go out there and just find another job because they're readily available you know things like brexit and everything else have impacted oh goodness i mean i heard the other day there's something like 1.6 million job vacancies in fact more job vacancies than job seekers so you know if you want to retain your talent, you got to work hard on that because they could quite easily leave you tomorrow to go to another place where they feel more valued. And how much you pay them is not necessarily going to be the factor that keeps people uh, in your workplace. And just think about the, the money that you're losing just by losing these people and having to retrain yeah. their replacements. It just doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. It doesn't and I think I, I think about like when someone new starts with us and like the amount I put into that when they've started, you know, I mm. clear my day, I put time out in my first week for them, I um, ha I'm checking in on them, I I'm, you know, arranging training material, resources so that they know the way that we work, the language that we use with our clients that, you know, because a lot of them are used to working in that generic setting and mm. no, that's not what we do here. It takes so much time, so much energy, and they are going on a journey and a learning process. And if they were to just turn around and go, you know what, I'm off somewhere else. I think for me, I'd be like, oh my God, I put that much into it. And uh, and it kind of feels like a waste. Now, I, I always think about the bigger picture in all fairness. So I think if that was to happen, I would, I would think about it in a bigger way. But yeah we can't afford to be doing that in in certain businesses where we are delivering yeah. a service where we are 24 7 we're looking after patients we're looking after other people you know we need and and i think a lot of people still like the management the organization the wider senior managers 
do kind of have this older school mentality and they really need to kind of catch up with what's going on here and now, but what's coming as well. And that, that takes me on to another point. You're just talking about how some people are stuck in their views. And uh, again, this, this was a conversation I had, uh, I think it was around about last week where I was talking to some very senior executives from a wide range of industries. <laughs> and one of them came out with this really frustrated comment and he was genuinely frustrated uh, uh, about the state of places. Look, he said, I, I, I've been in this organization. I joined this organization to do 30, 40 years in this organization. I was passionate about joining this organization. He says, but now you see youngsters coming here. They want to join the organization. They want to stay five or six years and then they want to leave and go elsewhere. He says, so how, how can I inspire them to be the very best? He says, because I know that they, they're getting, they're going to be very transient. But the discussion that we had was, well, are, are they being lazy by only wanting to stay five or six years? Are they less committed than you were? Or is it this, it, this is a new generational thinking? Gen Z um, want experience. Uh, and it's not, uh, it's not unusual for them to want to stay in one organization five or six years, then move on to another, then move on to another. What, what, are, what are you doing in terms of working with some of these more mature people, more mature leaders who have been in maybe the same organization for a few decades uh, to get them to understand that there's a whole different generation beyond you that maybe don't think like you? I think that's part of the, part of the issue. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And I think that there needs to be a lot of work done on that because they're not understanding the drivers and the motivation for, for different generations but also for different sets of people, you know, what might be important to me might be very different to what's important to you. Um, and so are you having those conversations? So, you know, like when clients come to us and we're looking at their appraisal processes, for example, um, that's, you know, okay, it's once a year, but it's at least some point where they're having these conversations, we, we're ensuring that they're having them. Um, but the, the conversations are very much based around performance, output for the organisation, how well are you doing at work? But there's not there's, there's not questions, and this is what we introduce: is how 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 do you, how do you think it's going? Um, what do you want to see more of in the organisation? Where do you want to be in five years' time? How can we support you to get there? Yeah. Um, so nobody is saying to the employee, or very rarely, what do you want? how does that match what we're delivering in this organization so it's one of my first questions in um probation in like the first week with the nectar team what do you want from this from this role mm -hmm. how can i help you get there now sometimes that stuff like um i want some help with my next level of cipd or there's there's a part of employment law that i haven't really touched on i'd like to be given some exposure to that um or you know I want to build some sometimes it's actually something as simple as I don't feel that confident sometimes um we've just taken on an apprentice and and her her one was um you know I'm really nervous about public speaking oh and I'm your man. <laughs> and um I want to kind of do more of that and actually so right. she started on the Tuesday and on the Thursday we were delivering a whole day of face-to-face -face training uh for a client and um I said to her what do you want to do? Do you want to, do you want to like just dive straight in? And she was like, yeah, I just need to do it. I just need. So I said, okay, you know, we're delivering this many slides over, over the day. Um, 
why don't you do an introduction slide about yourself? And mm. she said, okay. And I said, okay, then let's push it a little bit more. And why don't you do the housekeeping? And she was like, okay. Um, and I was like, how do you feel about that? And she was like, nervous. And I was like, really scared. And she was like, no, nervous. And I was like, right, well, we need to get you to the point where like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to do this. So then we, we put in a couple of other slides and some of the other modules that we, we were doing, sickness, absence and various things. And she delivered it. And she was like, I'm so grateful for, for you. <laughs> I love to see the transformation that I see in people when we deliver some of our public speaking courses. And, you know, you'll know that we've got a, a two day intensive, but I also do a one day program where by the end of the day, these people who are absolutely petrified of getting up in front of other people, you actually can't shut them up because they want to talk now. And, and that therein lies, um, therein lies a, a sort of a clue as to how we can keep our people inspired and motivated and doing courageous things. We started off by talking about courage. Uh, and what I love uh, about uh, our conversation, Sonia, is that you're an HR professional who understands that there is a mechanism around the HR. There are mechanistic approaches, that, uh, policies and processes that you need to follow. But then there's a bigger picture. Yeah. The bigger picture is about leadership. It's about inspiring people. It's about creating that leadership shadow. It's about, you know, um, uh, uh, leading from the front and leading by example and understanding what diversity truly means. And your, your version of diversity really fits with mine in terms of Everybody is different. Everyone has a different way of thinking. Everyone has different fears and strengths and weaknesses. But it's about understanding that. And if we were to get all of that together, if we were to package that, you know, and really implement that, then maybe we wouldn't be leaking the talent that we are leaking. Uh, and sometimes our talent needs to leave us for bigger and better things. Absolutely. That's about supporting them to go on their journey. But more often than not, the talent is leaving us because they're not happy. Uh, and that is about, okay, if I were to keep this talent, not only would they operate and make this organization even better, but actually saving me a whole load of money because I don't have to, I don't have to lose the money that I've used on training them or to recruit new people. So thank you so much. You've again, very succinctly put some really powerful elements of topical issues in a very, very digestible way uh, for us to understand. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time, as always. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you. And well, I look forward to meeting you face to face, actually, at some point. We need to do that soon, <laughs> definitely. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.